So, shortly before midnight, on Friday, 21st of June, 2019, it's time to get up. I got up and woke up a bit early. It's 12 minutes past 11. I'm in the reception of the guest house. Some people with a crying child in the room next to reception. I feel sorry for them. Don't think I really slept. I know for a couple of hours I definitely didn't sleep and then I might might have dozed off a bit in the last hour. I'm not sure how I'd describe the feeling at this point. It's not calm as such, but it is peaceful. Fluttering nerves. But the certainty of the inevitable is quite reassuring. I did wake up. I am on time. I'm as ready as I can be. Not long now until we start. A bit like being a first-time mum, I imagine. Nine months pregnant, approaching your due date, not looking forward to labour, knowing it won't be pleasant, but knowing it will be doable. It's not beyond you. Other people have done it. It's a tough test, but you'll come through it. Won't you? Anyway, knowing there's no way out, only through. Being a parent, actually, has made me mentally stronger, I think, than I was as a youngster. All that broken sleep, cleaning, unmentionable mess, excruciating embarrassment and social shame, the chaotic emotions, theirs and yours, the intense tantrums, again, theirs and yours. Adult life, I think, in general, steals you. All those many times you've thought, oh, I hate this, I want it to stop, I can't do it, I don't want to do it. You can do it, you do do it, you've learnt resolve, you get the job done. It's funny actually, sort of in the, the sort of day before, in that the, the night when we started, I just felt really uh, weirdly confident. We obviously had a great team and everybody really knew what they were doing and, you know, we, we were had Tim and Tanner and they'd done it before and everybody would supported before, you know, we had Giles supporting us and I knew he'd be, you know, absolutely brilliant at all that because he, he's just so on top of everything and committed. And the weather was fine and we felt fit and I kind of couldn't see where it would go disastrously wrong. There was loads of things that I thought would be difficult, but, you know, I just, I was sort of imagining all the things that would happen as we went through the day. And I, I just sort of felt like, you know, this was, this was very doable. <laughs> I was uh, lying in bed. So we squeeze our soft flasks and snacks into supporters' rucksacks. Ten o'clock came and went. Beanie came back from the pub. And you just I, resign yourself to, okay, I'll just try and relax. Yeah, yeah. I listened to some relaxing music for a bit and I just, and I think I may have dozed off a bit between 10 and 11. Yeah. And then I sort of worked with a start, kind of slightly sweaty at 5 to 11. Take some comedy Hillary and Tenzing style stout explorer photos. That's nice, yeah, very proud. Yeah, it's good and we exit the guest house. Past the chap with the crying baby. His wife is inside, dealing with the child. He's outside, drinking wine, holding court, where he's been for the last three hours, right underneath Mark's window. That's the guy we met as well. I knew it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when he does his fucking round, I'll sit out there. <laughs> yeah, with your, with your England shirt on. <laughs> Into the market square. For last-minute panics. Where's the, um, is there a loo? For some jostling machismo with other contenders setting off tonight on their own BGR attempts. Yeah, I'm nice. What time are you setting off? Uh, midnight. Uh, okay. What, um, schedule? 
Yeah. Oh, it's all good. So they're going, they're going, they're going. Hi, evening. Gonna be a bit of a train tonight. Yeah. 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 What schedule are you guys on? It's friendly. Just get round. Yes. It's gonna be perfect. But not that friendly. So far, there are one, two, three. Hey, one group's gone. Hello. How are you doing? Alright, yeah, good. How many of you guys are coming to go? Two. Good luck to you. Thank you. A nice, nice relaxed face of a man that's possibly going to repair for another drink or two. <laughs> Steve's got the hardest yeah, job. He's, he's, uh, he's crewing it. Right, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That is the hardest job. We'll, 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 I'm pleased listening back that we sound happy. The banter still seems to be there. We're looking forward to getting going. Really, honestly. We actually are. This is where we sort of find all our um, subsequent leg runners coming out. (laughs) (laughs) I know my voice went up a little bit there, but it's true. We are looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Happy. See ya. <laughs> and so, at midnight, without much fanfare, we set off on our Bob Graham. Hi, and welcome to our podcast about the Bob Graham Round. A 66-ish mile run in the Lake District up and over 42 of England's tallest mountains in under 24 hours. Recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, this is an audio account of a year preparing for and attempting the BGR. (laughs) These are our Bob Graham sounds. I'm calling the finale of the podcast BGR, Bob Graham Requiem, a symphony in three movements. Uh, And this is part two, actions of a team. This is Apollo Control at 102 hours into the flight of Apollo 11. It's grown quite quiet here in Mission Control. A few moments ago, Flight Director Gene Kranz requested that everyone sit down, get prepared for events that are coming. And he closed with they remark, good luck to all of you. Patrick and Tim, the brothers Hale, were our leg one support team. Tim, of course, completed his own BGR 12 months earlier. Patrick supported leg one then, too, so they're veterans. Patrick was Sherpa for Mark, Tim for me. We are safe in the eye of the hailstorm. I remember driving up uh, on both uh, of the attempts and driving up the M6 thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm feeling pretty strong. I might just uh, crack on for leg two with them as well and do leg five. Leg four sounds interesting. 
and then within about five minutes after leaving a moot hall just feeling sick and hoping that the world is going to swallow me up what's that for when we set off with uh, myself, uh, Tim, Tano and Gabor to start off the 2018 attempt, I hope Tano won't mind me sharing the, uh, the story of as we set off from Moot Hall and took a right-hand dart down one of the alleys. As soon as we emerged, there was this enormous clatter and bang. Yeah. Uh, I turned around to find Tano, who I'd only met about... 30 seconds previously, you know, full with high spirits and uh, very excited for chat, just lying completely face down, sprawled uh, on the floor uh, after, unfortunately, uh, not noticing the uh, one-foot-high metal railing that was uh, surrounding the car park. And uh, I'm really surprised he didn't manage to cause himself some serious injury. Maybe he did. Maybe he uh, he was he was injured, but uh, like the badass that Tano clearly is, he just he just continued to push on through. Uh, but we were close to a uh, sub twenty second end to the course. Any attempt is not a solo recital. I don't think there's ever an excuse for talking about yourself in the third person too much. Or in Mark and I's case, a duet. It's an ensemble piece. If we're honest, it starts to become pretty fucking orchestral in scale as the day arrives. So Mark, me, Patrick and Tim, plus Mike, Beanie, Giles, Gabor, Tano and Matt are all in Keswick. My wife Jo is at home in Portsmouth holding her breath. Mark's wife Emily is in St Albans with her fingers crossed. Both are taking the edge off by socialising heavily this weekend to get through it. I think I was possibly more nervous than you were and it wasn't helped by the fact that I was sort of in WhatsApp contact with uh, Emily. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, um, Mark's wife. Yeah, Mark's wife. wife yeah. I got to know her briefly that evening. And it didn't help that your tracker didn't work for the first 23 minutes and Emily was doing a really lovely job of just going, I'm sure it's just lagging, it'll be fine, as Mark was merrily running up the first peak and you were just hovering around in Keswick where it was yeah. and, then you, and as soon as you got going it was like oh thank goodness for that the background relief of knowing that we've got a clear night and a clear day tomorrow Nick created group Bob and Mark Nick changed this group's icon Nick changed this group's name to Ken Niggles thanks Beanie Hope all goes brilliantly. Keep me posted on these two nutters. Kiss kiss. Thanks for this Nick. Thumbs up emoji. Is Mark's new hairdo as bad as it appears? In pic you sent earlier? Bob hasn't moved on tracker. Bit worried. Only just picked up movement on Mark's. I'm sure it's just a time lag. Hi. This is Giles, driver chef. I think the tracker updates at intervals. Even if it were not working, we have support runners to sign at every peak, so it would not compromise the round. I suspect you'll see it update periodically over the course of the round. Thanks Giles. Hand spraying emoji. <laughs> then there's our parents, our colleagues, guests from this yeah. podcast, lots of people following the blue dots on the tracker. Helen Hall, who's patched my injured body back together and got me running again. Members of Mark's running club, the St Albans Striders, Facebook friends. But then you're off. And you're in a bubble. And all of that that's going on in the real world 
is in a different realm. Where you are, your senses are heightened, your focus is sharpened, you're super alert, yet still. Not pushing, not wanting to waste any adrenaline or unnecessary energy on motivation for hours yet. I've thought about the music to accompany this episode many times, and of course in my daydreams, there was rousing, inspiring, glorious, triumphant tunes. But actually, the soundtrack of an attempt, our real Bob Graham sounds, are the rhythms, beats, lyrics, lilting song from this metronomic pattern of feet on the ground. Sometimes soft, sometimes hard, syncopated with the clickety-click of poles on rock when you're going uphill. The percussive in and out of breath the pounding of heartbeats, the staccato sniffs of my runny nose. What I really loved as we left Keswick was the reassuring bristle and then trickle of sweat as the flat jog through the car park, the field and the residential streets of Keswick makes way for the uphill track towards the summit of Skiddor. Ah, I'm finally working. My body is doing what I want it to do, what I've trained it to do. Will it keep going? Have I trained it enough? Well, we'll see. I think that one of the things that has uh, most struck me about following you guys on your Bob Graham journey is the sheer mental tenacity that you have to have to be able to undertake uh, this challenge. Clearly the level of fitness that you have to have to be able to undertake the BGR is, is enormous. But I think that what's possibly overlooked is actually the the mental resolve you've got to have to just keep yourself plugging away for 24 hours. You know, in those first, those first six hours of doing leg one and going through to leg two and going up some really steep pools, uh, sometimes uh, in the dark if you're choosing to do it that way, has such a massive psychological impact that uh, I just don't think that you can uh, train for particularly well. We got started and it was such nice weather and quiet and we had that lovely sunset and you could kind of see for miles and that sort of burnt orange light in the in the sky. It just felt almost too good to be true, really. I always remember Richard Asquith's book about um, drifting up um, Skidor in your sleep, On I think on the time he did it, and, you know, I wasn't asleep, I was, I was really awake, but it did feel just so sort of gentle going up Skidor, which is, is clearly not what it's normally like. Um, I might go up somewhere, not part of. I didn't think I'd need them, but definitely a, a bit of a chill. It's great, though, I know. The banter, sometimes a distant murmur, sometimes a chuckling piss take involving logistical conflabs getting to know you small talk reassuring confidence boost comes and goes naturally you don't want to waste all your good stories just yet um licks i think i've been trying to um squeeze a lot into too short a time really 
Can't bring myself to sign off and go to bed. Long 24 hours ahead, with the irresistible lure of the tracker. Still up too. Really do have to go to bed, otherwise I'll be a mess. And there's wind. There's wildlife. Oh, wow. Wow. Gosh. There's rare glimpses of other humans on foot or in cars. That is cool. And there's my mantra, always in my head, sometimes out loud too. Ah, well, we're walking up Skidor in the middle of the night. It's, we're doing it at last. It's good. The last thing I wrote my arm was your GFA thing, Bob. My mantra for this attempt is gratitude, adventure, and friendship. Yeah. And other little checks and balances, inner voices made real, quieting the nerves. Come on, focus on the now. I don't hate road running. I just love trail running, I think, on another level, because you are necessarily running in the future on the road if you're going for a time. Whereas on the trail, you're very much in the, in the present. You listen to Black House State Effect. Yeah, Bob's interviewed him for the podcast. Scientists are not really sure what causes cramps. But one thing that came out in all the research was that one thing that stops them better than anything else is vinegar, and in particular, the vinegar from jars of pickles. The lingering doubt that I have, the remaining lingering doubt that I have about the Bob Graham is what if I get cramp on the descent of Skiddor. I hate vinegar and I hate anything pickled. What ultra runners will do is take a sachet of malt vinegar with them so that if they get cramps they can down that. So I'm going to do that and consume it on the way up Skiddor or near the top of Skiddor so that I'm preventing the cramps. So, as we approached the summit of Skiddor, peak one of 42, I actioned my BGR vinegar sachet quad muscle cramp prevention success plan. Ah. Top of Skiddor, 115. That first descent, like all the night legs, went by in a blur. It's so odd. You could twist your ankle or trip over at any point. Great big tussocks of grass and all sorts. But we didn't. And so on we went. I did have one or two worrying sort of calf cramps, little seizes, and I panicked. But then they went too, and on I went to Great Calva. The path is a single track one through the heather and the bracken, so I was mainly behind Mark, just listening in. The rest of the leg one was kind of fine, and, and then it was just so weird bumping into those guys. Their lead runner had gone to my primary school, and that just, I don't know, that just kind of felt like some sort of 
positive omen. It's 2am and we summit Great Calver. It's good. Great Calver done. Yeah, all right, good, I think. Dip down and then back up the dark and actually quite cold and misty, but still brightly and beautifully moonlit back of Blencathla. I take on more vinegar as we summit peak number three. Number three, Blencathla, hold on. What time is it? 3.11 in the morning. A bit of early dawn light over there. Exciting. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, it is brilliant. And now I face the first key psychological moment of my round. The descent of Blencathra via Halls Fell. If you're in the first descent of Blencathra and you get to the bottom, you think bloody hell, my legs are full and that, like, it's not a good sign. No, no, no. And then we came down, you know, obviously Halls Fell, which I'd never done before, and uh, Tim uh, was doing his full Tintin routine with the uh, torchlight, and uh, it just sort of led us down that, that tricky part kind of perfectly and that was I suppose that was the first thing I was worried about and that that had gone and I also felt because of the quad cramp panic that if I could just get through this descent no cramps still on time that I could relax and just enjoy whatever became of the rest of the attempt the potential for the crushing shame and despair of an early disaster would have been averted and I could just give the rest a go. So I didn't rush. In fact, I was left behind by all of my team and most of Mark's infant school buddies team as well. No, no, I'm doing the whole thing. Yeah. Are you disappointed, Donald Trump? Yeah. Well, done the right thing anyway. Not burning off. Yeah. There's a long way to go, so. Uh, this captain's your legs going down here. Yeah, I don't think there's any value in sprinting into no, no, no. the first stop. No. It's only three, three hours, so it's it's a long and tricky, rocky scramble down Hallsfell, which I'd never done before. So I just followed the head torches, creeping away in front of me, talked to myself. It's getting light. It's really cold through that middle bit. If it gets out, you should go through the river cold you. And then, and then it was just cold and damp and boggy. Across the back of Wing Hatter, but... Um, now I'm really sweating again, and, uh, and it's getting light. We went past a guy, one of the support runners for one of the groups in front of us. But there was cramp, and that was the end of his support legs. And with the mantra, gratitude, adventure, friendship, and I'm very, very grateful for Everything that's got me there, yeah. All the people, all the fortune, and this adventure I've never done this before. 
assorted Mike and Giles waiting in Threlkeld with a coffee. Half three, no, 20 past three in the morning. And made my way down. Um, just arrived at Threlkeld car park to be greeted by another team. Uh, one of whom said to us, uh, you here for the dogging? Uh, anyway, we uh, can see some lights bobbing down the uh, hill. There's a sort of half to two thirds full moon and it's a very still night. Still dark, but you can see over to the east it's already brightening up there and we should be pretty much in full sunlight as we get to the top of Clough Head. I even remember to think of Helen's advice. What Helen's advice? Use your hips. Find where the head seems to sit and perch with no tension. Are you upright? Effortlessly stacked. Got 66 joints in the feet. Use all your amazing feet. Your lovely smiley face. Smile. Everybody's had a shit night, I think, as usual. Um lay there listening to the uh, Test Match special podcast. Last ball of the Pradeep over. Wood waits. And he's edged in, caught behind. Would Sri Lanka win? Just it didn't really get me off to sleep. Maybe the uh, Sri Lanka result was not quite the uh, thing to nod off to. England 212 all out. And they are beaten by 20 runs. The World Cup needed an upset. It's got one here at Headingley. And then I went on to this sleep app weird thing where this American guy chunters on in uh, well hello there very sort of soporific tones talking nonsense and that eventually got me off sleep I'm Matthew McConaughey and tonight I'll be reading a special sleep story called Wonder and then the alarm went off so yeah feeling a bit crap as you do at this time but we should be fine once we get going Okay. At the bottom, reunited with Mark and the team, one leg done. Hey, Bobby. All right. Yeah, good. You good? Hi, Mike. Slightly ahead of schedule. Oh, amazing. I was the happiest runner I'd been for years. Yeah. That was great coffee, thank you. Yep. Thank you. See ya. Bob and Mark were into first transition about 10 minutes ahead of schedule and looking well. Left 5 minutes ahead of schedule. Departing Threlkeld, I felt like a new man. I put it down to a combination of a number of little positives. One, the attempt is on. My legs are okay. They're not cramping. Yeah. Two. Well, we're setting off on time. We're on time. And I've run this leg only a month ago, so I sort of know where I'm going. I think that's good going. It's so boggy through... uh... Three, I've changed into dry socks. The day is dawning so I can lose the head torch. I've swapped the long sleeved top for a fresh running vest. Four, Giles has made me a hot coffee at the rest stop, which was amazing. Five, 
I'm feeling quite good. Reflections on the Bob Graham round. I think you can't help but be buoyed as well in the middle of the night by seeing people that you like. And a change of personnel is nice at the Threlkeld stop. So Mike, who battles through his own personal routine to be there, adds an extra impetus. Trying to get to sleep on a Friday night while everybody else is out on the lash in Keswick. Waking up at three in the morning, feeling horrific. Regretting that pint or half a glass of wine or whatever you allowed yourself to have the night before you shouldn't have even had that then trying not to wake anybody getting downstairs can't really have any breakfast eating a power bar black nescafe then out in the car over to threlkeld sitting in a cold car park watching the headlights dot down the side of blencathra which one's your group which one's are going to come through to the car park first. Mark was feeling really good as well. I remember passing some Bob Graham guys at the top of Clough Head and them just looking really buggered, and I thought, oh, I feel, I feel good, you know. Clough Head. Number four. Number 42. All right. All right. Have a good day. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so we find ourselves up at the top of Clough Head in 43 minutes. It's 4.38 in the morning. Getting to the top as the sun comes up over the Howgills, over that way, over Sebra Way. And we're ready to bag some easy peaks along the ridge. Only we hadn't paid attention really to the fact that Tim wasn't with us. Wearied from leg one, where he was navigation lead and doing some heavy-duty Sherpa work, uh, he'd sort of dropped off the pace. Are you going to hover back to see if Tim's all right, Mike? That climb will slow down, Mike, so but I think Bob and I should jog onto it. Right? Me and Mark were keen to continue, so Mike ran back to check on Tim. Just to count, Ed, don't, not everything, and we'll just live on less. What must... Mike have, have been thinking as he stepped up to the plate to support two contenders uh, on his own for almost the entirety of the leg. Well, um, I imagine he would have looked uh, back at, at me, uh, struggling to make my way up and, and think, well... My only final thought that I'll leave you with is respect the mountains. Mountains are dangerous. You've got to respect the mountains. But do we really, that's what I thought to myself, do I really properly respect the mountain? Tim, you uh, you haven't respected the mountain, you haven't respected Clough Head, and um, do, do you know what? He'd, uh, he'd be absolutely right. Yeah. This is where Mike comes into his element. If you never understood what the plan was in the first place, departing from it is just so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> Not, you know these people that are really trammelled by preconceived yeah. ideas he doesn't have any so it's fine by the time we reach the top of Great Dodd the next peak 26 minutes later at 5.04am Mike had caught up he'd run an amazing out and back shuttle run loaded with an extra heavy pack on the way back as he'd cannibalised all the stuff that Tim was carrying. All right. I've got your stuff on. All right. Yeah, he's quite way back. It's fucked. Oh, thanks. Well done for catching up again. 
supporting it. Yeah. Yeah, I think then, you know, for us, this is kind of like, you know, this is just the start. So, you know, very different psychology about it, haven't you? Yeah, Pat- I think it's probably skiddle, the pace on skiddle very high. Patrick was knackered as well. He looks it. I, mean, I said that to make him feel better. I said, Patrick got really tired. He, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was really struggling up in Clatter. This section of the leg was amazing. The weather was lovely. Well, this is good. Beautiful sunny morning. The terrain was lovely. Just keeping track where I am as I have 24 hours of audio of my own heavy breathing to listen through <laughs> just sort of almost meadows almost like alpine meadows as you go through the dods up towards Helvellyn neither me or Mark are feeling too tired yet thick and fast now aren't they number 6 Watson's Dodd 5.14am Stybarrow Dodd 5.22am Seven done. There were amazing views to take in, if only we knew what we were looking at. I know, yeah. It's like constant embarrassment that you spend as much time in the lakes. I think that point you on there, I think that's that both fell and yeah. goes Yeah, that's right. That one is, is that great gable, I that lump the one right. there. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It looks bigger than. Yeah. Raise. Nice can. 5.32am. Well done. Number eight, I think. There was kind, committed, witty support from Mark's older brother, Mike. It was a lovely relationship to witness at, um, close at hand for several hours. I'm just going to check what Bob's got. So I think we're missing a sandwich. <laughs> There's no, no bother. I'll just eat... About those fire fridge rays. That'll be perfect, yeah. White side. I that was a summit. Was it? 5.42am. I didn't touch it. I feel I should. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get jobbed in by those guys. I know, I know. Uh, so that's nine done, I believe. The peaks are just quite yeah, easy to pick off fine. and they come thick and fast. Uh, top of... Hell Valley, Lower Man. Let's help the can. 5.54am. There was even a random naked dad getting dressed near Hell Lower Man. And I'm not sure what was more scarring for his son. I think they'd been out wild camping. And there was his dad, naked on top of a fell right in front of him just as another three middle-aged dads arrive one of them mark swearing really aggressively and engaging in man banter thank you poor lad Look at the moon up there. The real moon this time. Can you see it? You saw the whole of the moon. 
done. Helvellyn. Two minutes past six in the morning. Right, I'm at the top of Helvellyn. Tree point at the top of this one. No mistake in the can. Oh, glorious sunshine. Blue sky everywhere. The occasional bleat of a sheep. There's fresh air. Smell of sort of heather a bit. Uh, not much wind, just a bit as you get really up on the tops. Mist hanging in all the valleys. A little breeze blowing over. That looks amazing. I should say how different leg two can be if you have bad weather. As the second leg progressed, that was when the visibility high up, you know, Helvellyn and, and around there really was appalling. And that's when a couple of times we started to stray off course as well. Right. Um, we spoke about that earlier, the idea yeah. of, of burning a few minutes, but also the morale, the way the morale can sink. Yeah. Um, and so we tried to get ourselves back on track from there but by the end of the second leg uh, coming down into sort of grass me and around there we were already beginning to think I think again still not speaking about it but this is this is beginning to slip away but we were lucky and if you'd asked me I would have said my leg two memories were that it went by in a breeze and I guess the early part of the leg does. Once you've climbed Clough Head, it's a bit of a doddle through the dods and so on. But having listened back now to all my huffing and puffing, it clearly wasn't. There were some issues. My constant runny nose being one. A terrible choice of food. <coughs> I'm eating some awful chicken things at the moment. <laughs> Which, uh... <coughs> <coughs> Yeah, chicken thing is awful. <coughs> really peppery. Can't stop coughing. <coughs> and then both me and Mark noticing creeping aches and pains. Yeah, I've got my right toe is hurting. What was I going to say? Helen would say, Well done. How does your body feel? Listen to your body. And, uh, Aches and pains are there. Feel your feet. Use your toes. Use your hips. Feel straight. Check your position. Walking up again. Use your bubbles. That must be, it's got the trig point, surely. Okay, maybe you can mistake this on it. Little can. Right, follow Mark. He's on a rapid descent already. Oh, I'm delighted. More than halfway through, like two. And, uh, and, and I'm going, you know what I'm doing. This is it. You're in it. The weather could not be better. Oh, this is a beautiful grassy runnable path. <coughs> Nethermost Pike, ten past six AM. Ah, oh, this is kind of it. Dolly Wagon Pike, twenty two minutes past six in the morning. Hey. Well done. Then you see the 
see the rusty fence posts that take you down the, the really steep drop to the Grisdale Tarn. I remember worrying a little bit about the the downhill section from um, Dolly Wagon Pike down to Grisdale Tarn because it's so steep and I'd always really th smashed my quads doing that before and, and that was okay. The sting in the tail of leg two is dropping down off that lovely ridge and then out and back up the great big lump of Fairfield. A big lump, in fact, that I'd never climbed before. Wow. Oh. Right, uh, town looks amazing. Reflecting Dolly Wagon Pike as we go up Fairfield. Brief bit of flat for a really steep ascent. As you go up, uh, is it Fairfield? The real runners, they're, they're just pulling away and even, I suppose it's just having that extra weight, really, you really struggle to get up that slaty, slippy, zigzagging path up there. Wow, an enormous set of steps. Wow, that's steep, isn't it? And on the ascent, we met some of the Market Square Machismo crew. Hold on. Nice one. Yeah, keep going. One of them was a really big lad, but they were moving so beautifully and fast. They whizzed down Fairfield as we slogged our way up it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember him. He, they set off ahead of us, didn't they? I'm sort of into the... Just one... What's the next hill yeah, yeah. mode? You can't think too far ahead. Well, I can't now. I think it's sort of... Well, don't, just don't. Yeah. The way I'm trying to see it is that we are currently walking, and well, running, to the start of the Bob Graham. And that, that Bob Graham starts at you know, Westdale. Yeah, I think I just need... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the break just to cha yeah, yeah, change a few socks and things. Fairfield 6.58. Alright, well done. Top of Fairfield. Seven hours have been going. So you're getting to the point now where you are you're approaching you know, a third. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we must have done a third of the peaks. Definitely. The descent is a zigzaggy rock and scree fest but we had a lovely surprise waiting at the bottom to lift our spirits. Hey, hi Tim. So Tim... Who had abandoned running with us on the way up Clough Head had then dropped down and run the whole length of that ridge at a lower level and was on great form when he found us for the final climb up Seat Sandal. Oh. Yes, I've been delighted. I'm going to give you a modicum of support to, to accept a sandwich. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, that was a brutal descent. Oh, well done. Are we ahead? Oh, uh, Looking forward to a break, that's for sure. Morning everyone. Your handsome husbands are now 30 minutes ahead of schedule and it's a beautiful day. We'll be meeting them at the start of leg three around 7.50 to impart coffee, breakfast and wet wipes. I'm not going to ask about the wet wipes. 
Can we have interleg photos? Ahem. Winking face emoji. Seat sandal. This one. 20 past 7 a.m. And then it's long, long descent down, all the way back down to the road crossing at Dunmail Rays. I love that night, Leg. It was great having you both there. Great company. Just thinking, I just let's not get knocked down here because that's a fast road. And then that's you done. If you're leg two, morning. And you even can get back to breakfast at Harkeld, which is. Something special. Yes, Benedict, now for you. You're welcome. Hey. Hello. We are in place, preparing bacon sandwiches and other high-level breakfast items. It's an utterly beautiful morning. Crystal clear, but not too warm. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. They are doing so well. Did they eat okay? I'm sure your bacon was the vegan variety. Face with raised eyebrow. Looking really good, Diggy. Really good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, keep trying to look at the views and imagine what information about the views you'd be telling me if you were there. Yes. Yeah. If you could fill that with water. Yeah. Brilliant. I can tell you now how many minutes ahead you arrived here if you want that information. Yeah, go on. You were about 54 minutes ahead. Woo! It's good. 54. Right, anything else can do for you, Diggy? Uh, I don't think that was fashion. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was very much deliberate with a view to giving you just a bit of freshness, and it has served its purpose. Yeah, I've done very well. Certainly cool. <laughs> the big news of Mark pulled twice. Oh my god. Mark, you, you pulled twice. Again? Yeah, that, that guy, first of all, it was... Where'd you get your hair cut? No, no, no it was. It was, um, have you ever seen The Greatest Showman? Isn't Hugh Jackman... Uh, no, 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 what he actually said was, are you wearing aftershave? I said, I am, and he said, yeah. This is massive news. Yeah. Can I eat this on the way, do you think? Yeah, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Looking good, you're, you're moving well, Diggy. Mm. So the pace is, the pace is not felt too much. There's been a couple of uphills that were kind of we were pushing it, I, I felt but Yep, right. Alright. Well run. We'll see you at Wasdale. Enjoy. Looking really good you two. Thank you, see you there. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks so much Mike, Tim. That was brilliant. Thank you. I did not touch the bacon, but thankfully they did. They were both in good shape and good spirits. They powered up the next hill very swiftly. So after an entertaining Dunmail Ray's breakfast stop, which at times felt like it was a Morecambe and Wise routine, involving my bladder being filled but not closed, so when I put my running vest back on, it all went down my neck. We were finally ready to leave and bid farewell to our supporters yeah. from leg two, and get on with leg three. That's a bit threatening, isn't it? And we set off on the longest leg with our European dream team, Tano navigating and leading out front. Oh, this is a really good line, wasn't it? And Gabor feeding 
and talking. Did you run a lot on the lake too? There was running apart. Yeah. And talking. Yeah, but yeah, you have to kind of measure your steps. You know how long is it, and yeah, yeah. take that 157 meters literally. And talking. You doing the whole thing or racket? <laughs> well done, guys. Good speed, really good speed. And talking. Oh, lucky. Oh, you've got this clip before that. That's cool. Mm. And that is not being unkind at all. I loved feeling so looked after by Gabor and so well led by Tano. Listening back and thinking about the character of our support teams, there's something of the Ryder Cup about it when, if you're not familiar, the captain puts together these pairings to play together in a sport that's normally completely solo. In the Bob Graham, our team leader Mark gathered together our pairings of support runners, often who didn't know each other that well, and put them together. And there's an alchemy to it, and it created a sort of character for each leg as we experienced it. So when we were with the brothers, Tim and Patrick, they were a great unit, and it just felt like they knew what they were doing on that leg. They owned leg one. They'd done it lots of times before. Leg two, I got to witness another sibling chemistry between Mark and his brilliant older brother, Mike, who led us along leg two and was an amazing Sherpa with all that extra kit. Then when we did leg three, Tano and Gabor, our European cousins, the Croatian and the Hungarian, I think slightly younger than us, putting up with these twittering old middle-aged Englishmen, they just were fantastic. Warm, open, less stiff and British attitude to everything. And I really enjoyed feeling like the toughest leg was in the hands of these two tough, tough runners, but also really gentle souls. There's something about the support runners and the character they bring to an attempt that is more than just what they carried and whether they could read a map well. So make sure you've got good mates. Can I get the pole? With good personalities. Thank you. People that will become really trusted companions over the course of hours and hours on mountain tops. Tano and Gabor joining us and it just feeling like that you you kind of in their hands and it was just so so controlled. Thank you. The food I ate, or more accurately didn't eat at Dunbar, yeah. was the first warning sign of the day, I think, looking back. I didn't fancy my shop bought packet sandwich. Yeah. And I couldn't swallow the homemade bacon one from Giles, so I just didn't eat enough. Then the climb up Steel Fell was the first time that day where I really thought, wow, I am working close to 100%. Going up at that pace, the sweat was literally pouring off me. I was gasping and I was guzzling water. No crash yet, but it's coming. We summit Steel Fell at 8.15. Well done, oh, that's what we like. Ah. Oh, beautiful, look at on. Yeah, that's ama- amazing, isn't it? After my torrential wind and rain-swept recce of a fortnight ago, the route felt familiar, and a thousand times easier when A, you can see where you're going, and B, Tano is telling you the fastest line. 
Sometimes on there, right? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. calf crags. Calf crags. Yeah. But this one is nothing. Not like a peak. Or is it a peak as well? No. No. Stay here, Gabor. You can stay here. Yeah, yeah. And just wait. Okay. Yeah, there's no point two guys going up. Leg three was just a real pleasure, wasn't it? I just I can't really remember any of it being particularly hard. Hold on, Mark. Ah, calf crag done. 8.39 a.m. <laughs> right, boys, it's been an hour. Drinks, food, please. Yeah, this is just pouring with water when I was up here two weeks ago. It's just a stream. Ah. Alright, is that it? At last. That's the size of it. Sergeant Man. Boom! Sergeant Man. 9.15. High raise. Wow, what a view. Okay. Well done. Right. 25 minutes past nine. Feeling good, Bob, yeah? Yeah, feeling all right at the moment. And you look good. You still have a bit of a rosy face, which is always a good sign. When Trying you to start keep peeling. <laughs> you know, when you start completely pale. Yeah. Yeah, that's always good. Trying to keep smiling. And yeah. Tim was completely pale last year. Oh my God, then he arrived. I'm just trying to stay grateful for being here, exactly, exactly. doing it. Because exactly. it's, exactly. it's a privilege, mate. It's a really, it, yeah, that must be the main priority. Yeah. I think it's another psychological thing as well, where you, yeah. it's hard to hold negative thoughts if you're feeling grateful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you can't kind of mm -hmm. spiral down. Yeah. I didn't think this was one. Is that? Yeah. Oh, so in the car not, yeah. 9.37 a.m. Of course. Now it's Harrison Stickle. And then Pike of Stickle, which is that lump over there, isn't it? That one? Harrison Stickle. No way. 9.43. You okay? It is astonishing that someone can do it in half the time of everybody else. You know, it's just hard to imagine how you could do a leg of six hours in three hours, you know? He's just a complete elite, isn't he? An outlier. Did we have like a 13k? 30 seconds. Yeah. Halfway on distance. Pike of Stickle. Uh, Thank you. One here. The mountain. The mountain 9.55. Well, mate. Feeling good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just thirsty, really. Yeah, smash it. <coughs> Not that fast. Woo, yeah. <laughs> Next one is uh, Bofell. Bofell. Well, no, the, I think Rosset Pike. Have we done Rosset Pike yet? Yeah, so that's Rosset Pike, and then, and then, uh, and then both. I can't really remember any of it being particularly hard. I suppose I fell over. That was a bit embarrassing just before Rosset Pike. But apart from that, it was good. Oh, okay. Yeah, don't stand on that one. Rosset Pike. Rosset. 
Yeah. 10.41. Hello, Team Ken Niggles. The boys are now 67 minutes up on schedule. They are doing so well. Weather perfect. Quite grey and cool, but no cloud. We will be setting off from Wasdale by 1.30, I think. I will be with them from that point onwards so won't be sending many messages, but I'll do my bestest. Oh my lord, that's amazing. You are all doing such a brilliant job. Weather is ideal too. I can't quite believe this pace. Incredible. How do you want to do it? Stop or just oh, let's get some? Yeah, it's alright. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to have like a sandwich? No. Sure. Yeah, a biscuit maybe. I couldn't eat a sandwich. The ascent of Bow Fell sticks in my mind as the next really tough moment of the round. Oh, it's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> Just trying, trying to breathe in enough oxygen and trying to drink enough water. Again, I was redlining, a hundred percent effort. And I think it's better, maybe if you go first. Okay. Yeah. And then you, we just do it your pace. Yeah. 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 I think it's better to take it easy than just burn out. You get another three. Take your time, mate. And although the weather was lovely, slightly overcast at this point. Not much wind, not too hot. I was just drenched in sweat. Oh, that breeze is nice. Woo! Come this far, Bob, when you're recce. Yeah, did both fell. An esque pike, great end, and I got part way up Scarfell Pike, and then I turned back. Oh my goodness, so far away. The top of Bowfell is still miles away across like a hideous lunar landscape. Do you remember doing this bit with Liam, my Scottish buddy? Oh, you can't see it. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. Bit of grass again. It's a little bit easier to walk up this bit. Yeah, when it's very steep, it's just harder drinking than I thought. And yeah, I feel dehydrated. You know, I'm just thirsty. I'm pouring with sweat on these climbs. The sun is out now, so it is pretty hot and. Hard work. I'm really working now. This is proper mob Graham territory. The hardest bit so far for me. Getting up both out. That was hard work. Still not there yet. Let's go up and up and up. Oh. My goodness. You're doing some podcast as well between? Sometimes. Just, yeah, sometimes just try, oh, okay. trying to That's remember. Cool, keep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's still recording. It's still got battery. Yeah. Uh, woo! Bow fell. What, what do I have to touch? 11.15. Yeah. 
Who do I tap? Are you the highest point? <laughs> uh, wow, that was hard, right? No, that one's definitely higher. You need to go. Next. Oh, uh, oh, 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 do it properly. Oh, don't do it at all. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And now I'm done. Tad. <laughs> right, have a good day. Bye. I think those girls at the top there were taking the piss out of me, but I couldn't, didn't, I, I didn't have the mental acuity to work out how. So I could. <laughs> a bit sort of rude, but I, you kind of assume in a way that people have a broad sense of what you might be doing, but I think they just thought we'd walked up quickly. Yeah. What did she say? Well, she said, oh, it looks like you've come up here quicker than we did. And I said, oh, well, you don't know the half of it, you know. We just did Those two were very hard one, Rosset Pike and Vauxhall were long, long hauls, weren't they? Are you feeling alright? I know, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not that Yeah. But I'm just so, um, if I'm honest, I thought I'd be here, I was saying, kind of, I thought I'd be here, and I thought we'd be five minutes down, and I thought we'd have all sorts of physical problems yeah and you know Tanner and Gabo will be looking at the watches and sort of and, come on guys we're going to have to step this up yeah that's what we're here feeling broadly okay yeah um, I mean it's, it's hard work going up those steep bits and we're still moving though I thought we yeah I mean I've been at both a few times I, I would usually stop every uh minutes look around look around it you know not the every hill we've gone is a continuous push in another yeah oh, I just I can't bear to make it longer than it has to be uh, I've got some crisps here but uh, I'll I'll try and eat some of them here yeah you should try to eat something just a little bit like you don't eat too much yeah just something listening back one of the key narratives which I'm able to pick out is that I was not eating enough. Oh, it's hard to eat anything. I hadn't had much to eat at Dunmail and I wasn't eating much along leg three. This is suboptimal if you're trying to complete a Bob Graham. Swim it down with water. Ah, good. I got it down. Ah, swished it down with some water. We summited Esk Pike hey. at 11.37. Doing well. I know it's just keeping steady, isn't it? Don't want to stop. Don't want to go too fast. Just yeah, yes. The, the most comfortable pace for me at the moment is just keeping going in a steady fashion. So great ends what that lump. So as you get up onto the Scarfell Ridge. The peaks become a bit closer together again, but unlike leg two, which is lovely runnable terrain... I think we go down to that path and then there's a big cairn and you go up straight up there and that's great end. It's just so brutal and rocky. It's hard to make any progress and it feels like hours in between each top. I know, that looks a beast, doesn't it? 
Uh, sandwich? No. One little bite of sandwich? No. Uh, no. One little bite. Is there a, a bar or something? Like a chocolatey bar or something? Yeah, yeah. Caramel wafer? Yeah, that'll do. Yeah, yeah thank you. Great end. One minute past twelve. Hold on. This is incredible. I need a reward. There's two here, isn't there? Ill crag and broad crag. Yeah. They're just ugly lumps of rock. <laughs> it's just so rocky. Clatter, clatter with the poles as you try and pick your way across this lunar landscape. Ill crag, 12.21. That's all right. Just need to touch the top. Done. <laughs> Oh, done. The rocky top of Broad Crag brought near disaster. How do we get up there then? Just straight up. Let's just go and let's go and do it. Oh. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. Woo. In the end, I had a bruised and bloodied thumb, a scraped leg, but that was all. No, I think uh, I think I'm okay. Could have been horrible. The terrain is so rocky, it's real potential leg break territory. And I think my pole just didn't find a rock, so I couldn't steady myself. And I just went down, uh, as you could hear, in a right flap. It's not fun, is it, this bit? Broad crag. Uh, well, it was mercifully quick. 12.29. Broad Crag also brought a lovely meeting as we were literally touching the can at the top uh, and some slightly sobering inspiration. Midnight. On a solo attempt for self at seven, but it's going to finish at one scale because I've just been here. Oh no. So that was a nice chap called Jonathan Toombs, who Mark had read about on the Bob Graham Facebook page, and despite having to withdraw from his attempt because of illness, he still raised over £1,000 for Langdale Mountain Rescue, who had saved his friend Justin who'd had a fall a few months previous on the walk-up steel fell, was making a recovery but wouldn't have done without the mountain rescue team. So well done, Jonathan, and it was nice to see you and you lifted our spirits on the top of the brutal broad crag. Mark, can I uh, get a couple of those warm ibuprofen? Oh, I think I came off pretty lightly there. I uh, just, just cut my knee and smashed my... Oh well, just the UK's, oh, England's highest mountain. To, you know. England's highest mountain. They're doing it. It's just nice to say it's not always Just uh, another 15 or so to go. Scarfell Pike, 
45. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. No, it wasn't. Actually, I think it's quite nice because it takes your mind off. Yeah, people to go past and things like that. Really tricky section for scarf up, pipe, stuff up. You either go up a rock climb or broad sand with a rope, or you go down to Fox's Tarn on one side, or Lord's Rake on the other. I think we're going to take Lord's Rake. You haven't been down here, have you? No. So we need to kind of drop down right. Right. and then come up from the back through a little gully. Okay. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? This bit. So I'd never taken that route before, and I remember thinking, I'm really glad Joe, my wife, can't see me, or she'd really worry. I was knackered, clumsy by this point, and it's really precarious, scary. It feels so steep and your feet are slipping and you're nudging rocks as Tano did with a really big heavy one and it feels like a route of no return either you couldn't bottle out and go back down it would be a thousand times worse Mark's tracker not pinged for 40 minutes so I hope he's with Bob worried face and not down deep gill as suggested by tracker map you must be having a right sweat Emily but I'm sure all is fine queasy face if I died in the steep, airless rock and scree-filled gully that is Lord's Rake, perhaps crushed by the enormous boulder Tano dislodged as he scampered up ahead of me, then this would have been the last known recording of me, Bob Diggles, on my Bob Graham. A lot of wind on the microphone. Slightly underwhelming. Not exactly Blair Witch, is it? It's the last audio because as I wearily, achily clambered the approach to Lord's Rake, my recorder switched off. I had been feeling smug that it had over 24 hours worth of memory, but didn't anticipate only 12 hours of battery life. And then in fact, due to a logistical cock-up at Wasdale, which is no one's fault really, but because I want to be kind to my friends, we'll blame the National Trust for it, I couldn't get any spares there. So I wasn't able to record any more actual Bob Graham sounds from our round until the road stop at Honister Youth Hostel after leg four. So this next section is going to be like one of those looking back at the 1990s documentaries but on a cheap channel like E4 or Channel 5 where they don't actually own any real footage of Oasis making definitely maybe so instead they pay Terry Christian and Jason Manford to talk about it. Despite the lack of audio evidence, I can confirm that we did escape the jaws of Lord's Rake. I suppose I had a bit of a dip just as we came down into um, the West Wall Traverse and coming up Lord's Rake. I, I was a bit cross that I was at the back again of that going up there and all the stones were coming down on me and I thought, God, I was here last year, you know, why, am I, why is everything raining down on me again? And then 
had a bit of luck that you guys I think had missed the entrance to that gully on the left hand side and actually I was at it and you had to come back and I kind of felt you know secretly really really pleased that I just cut out about a minute's worth of climbing and sort of shot up to uh, Scarfell. We summited Scarfell at 13.27 led by the treacherous Dick Dastardly team leader. And then that, that descent, I can't really remember it, coming down the screed, but it must have been okay because I don't really remember it. Then we descend the ski slope, scree slope to Wasdale, arriving eventually at 14.08. Are you getting any reading on Bob now, Joe? I've had no update since 14.06. I'm wondering if just signal black spot. Last update was at 14.06 and Bob's tracker was near Wasdale checkpoint. Perhaps Marx has frozen because in steep-sided valley? All back online. Photos attached. Thanks Giles. Mightily relieved to see them both smiling and powering on. Flex biceps emoji. Leg 4. If you've ever attempted a Bob Graham, and those two words don't strike fear into your heart, make you shudder and start twitching violently, then one of three things must be true. A. You did your round anti-clockwise, so your leg four was like everyone else's leg two and you weren't dead on your feet yet. B. Awful weather, terrible injury, some other disaster meant your attempt finished at Wasdale, or earlier, so you never even did leg four. Or C, you are Killian Journey, in which case you did it so quick you never noticed the pain. Then it's the long drive round to Wasdale, entering that valley, stopping and starting, letting the camper vans past, seeing Great Gable and Scarfell Pike looming up in front of you. Sitting there, waiting, waiting, waiting for them to come down. Weather was just perfect, so I know the lakes well now because of 10 or 15 years walking and running around it. But if the truth be told, if the sun's shining and there's not much cloud, I can get us around pretty well. The second the cloud comes in, I am not good, so really lucky that on the day there wasn't a cloud in the sky it was clear you could see everything it was warm but it wasn't stupidly warm like it was in 2018 the torture of leg four pretty much from from start to finish the roads melting throwing up out on you barrow the inability to drink or eat the you know, mental disintegration is as kind of we continued that you know the racing thoughts the, the feeling that it was kind of on a knife edge you know at each peak expecting to find that we'd blown the the schedule but but never quite doing so the eight liters of uh, at that point undrinkable tailwind at um, the foot of of, of Kirk Fell, the group of school children that were asking me to take photos of them at, at the moment that I'm, I realised at that point, um, me begging them for, for water, me giving up, up Great Gable and then deciding that I was 
somehow going to carry on. I mean, almost be, you know, being in tears as I, I met Carly and Harvey at the end of the leg. So, yeah, that, that was, that really put me through the ringer. So when Mark and Bob arrived at Wasdale at the end of leg three, they were both looking in pretty good, relaxed shape, bearing in mind what they'd done up to that point. But I knew that leg four, even though they had time in the bank, was going to be the one that would probably make or break the day. My sort of role started in Wasdale. The weather was amazing. The weather was really beautiful, really warm, and we had found a nice spot under some trees where we set up a little camp, and Giles was kind of running around busy, setting up stoves, getting soup on the go, and putting chairs in the right spot so you both could sit down. The car park there was really busy, lots of people out walking and enjoying the Lake District and other teams as well, other support teams waiting for their runners to to come in which was great. One of them had a set of binoculars so I was able to look up and actually see you guys coming in, you, Mark, um, Gabor and Tano coming down this really steep hill making your approach into into Wasdale. So I got into Wasdale just feeling fantastic, had a good break. Really really nice moment when when you arrived there was kind of this flicker of recognition on Mark's face when he sort of recognised his brother and, and some of the rest of us and kind of knew that we were all there for for them which was great. Now I really wanted two things in Wasdale, ibuprofen and new batteries, but they weren't there. They'd been left in the car, which was about a mile up the track, and I was really quite rattled by that, perhaps more than I realised at the time. I remember thinking, yeah, they look look good. You sat down and I think Mark was pretty talkative and and telling us how he was feeling and and how he was doing and you know talking about some of the things that had happened over the course of the last leg I think you were a bit quieter Bob and I don't know if this contributed to the fact or it was just that my poor choice of menu added to it again I hardly ate anything in Wasdale which was silly and I'm pretty sure you weren't eating very much either and I wouldn't have long to wait to find out the impact of that you just need to get out of your doldrums in your brain and start thinking what, what could make me right again. If I'm not positive, I tend to think I've got a sugar, I'm having a sugar low. And the first thing I try and do, it's a horrible one spiral, isn't it? Because obviously you're not feeling positive, so you don't do positive things to make yourself feel better. Yeah. But if I can, then I'll think, right, take a, take a gel and in sort of 15, 20 minutes, the, the world seems a bit brighter. could spend hours in that sort of doldrumy state while you're not looking after yourself and then it's probably quite hard to pull yourself out you you know you've done a lot of damage in those two hours by not eating you get further and further down and it's further to get back up the sooner I can get back to feeling positive the better 
but I pulled myself together enough to get over the lack of ibuprofen and batteries and although I was rejecting another poor choice of supermarket sandwich which I'd brought for my Wasdale snack, I did manage to mind sweep, like I would do when my kids leave food in the bowl, some beans that Giles had cooked for Mark. And so, rather than running on fumes as we set off up Ubarrow, I did have a small amount of sustenance in my belly. And with Beanie leading the way, although the sun was baking down then on our backs, I'd put on a clean, dry running vest, Beanie had lent me a baseball cap and I stepped into the unknown having never run any of leg four at all. I wasn't the first one to falter on you, Barrow. I think it's fair to say that both you and Mark found the, the first bit of leg four pretty tough and I think you both had some pretty dark, dark moments on that leg. Suddenly, just absolutely out of nowhere, every wheel fell off. I suddenly started feeling my groin a bit and then my pole broke and it was really hot and I just felt like I was gonna die. And I suddenly, suddenly really kind of panicked and thought, oh, this is, you know, how, how's it all gone to, to crap just so quickly? New bar is just awful. It's such a challenge, you know, where it comes in the round after that stop and that rest just really really hard and yeah Mark was you know you could tell he was maybe struggling a bit and then his pole broke. I was kind enough to provide team leader with his first big test of the day he passed me one of his walking poles on the way up Ubarrow and in trying to put it down for him I broke it. And I remember sort of thinking at the time in my head, you know, I was thinking, well, come on, it's just a pole. It's not that important. You can manage without it. But then sort of afterwards and, and subsequently, you know, I've got to thinking, well, this broken pole came at possibly his lowest point in the round so far. And he was feeling really rubbish and he'd planned so meticulously and trained so hard. and and having poles was part of that plan and it just sort of came at the wrong time. It was funny, it was at that point I just really remembered that clip you'd played us that you were saving up for the podcast but you thought we ought to listen to the, like the week before or the night before or whatever. Was it Dom, I think, who was talking about, you know, his bike ride and that, you know, you, how you're always going to face this moment on, a, on something like the Bob Graham where everything does fall apart and, and actually that is that is the you know that that is the thing that you are doing the rest of the day is a bit of a nice to have but that it's that sort of crux moment which is is your challenge and um, that really helped it sort of helped me calm down a bit and i started thinking well what what is the way i'm going to carry on and i just realized that i needed a second pole and thank heavens you were kind enough uh, bob uh, to lend me a Lend me a pole. Thank heavens you were kind enough to let me a kind enough to let me a to let me a pole, a pole, pole, pole. You will face in the Bob Graham round a moment of truth at least once, and that moment of truth will hit you where you have to make the decision whether you're going to finish or whether you're going to quit. And that's such a key decision. Now, will I or won't I? Once you decide I'm going to finish, the only question you've got to decide after that is, how am I going to finish? How, what do I need to do to be able to finish? And that's a different mindset than am I or am I not going to? Now, looking back, I think I've blown this up into a bigger deal than it actually is. It was hardly Clint Eastwood taking a bullet for the president, but I was pleased when Mark's poll broke and he was having a low moment that I instinctively gave him one of mine. 
I know it doesn't make me Mother Teresa, but I've now got that lodged in my psyche that I might, deep down, be a nice guy after all. So that got me up to the top of you, Baron. I still felt pretty bad. I, I think I just I, I basically panicked. So I was kind of hyper, sort of not hyperventilating, but sort of just, just breathing too hard. My heart was going too hard. But it's a mark of the man that not once did he attribute blame, not once did he complain, not once did he moan. He just got on with it. Beanie was ahead of us and managed to get a great photo with Wast Water in the background and we are climbing the steep, steep slope of Ubarrow, physically working the hardest I've ever worked, I think. And he's since used the photo on a moon pig card for my birthday. It brought back lovely memories. Thanks, Beanie. So I ran on my own a bit to sort of try and calm down. I, f I felt like I was getting in control. So we survived the saga of the broken pole. But we were now to face Sandwichgate, on a hill Richard Asquith had warned us about, Red Pike. If you don't cry when you're going up Red Pike, then you're, you're not trying properly. Red Pike ought to be like a fairly easy one. You know, there's no, not hugely steep or anything like that. But the, the place it comes, you know, you've just been up U Barrow, you're what two thirds of the way around you're you're really really knackered but you've still got a really really long way to go and then you've got this relatively boring thing that just goes on and on and on <laughs> and on and on and on and on and you think god we must be there now i mean and you've made no progress at all and i think that every time i've done it that's been the most sort of heartbreaking potentially heartbreaking stage of it you know you were really quiet bob you were you were just kind of kind of sort of trudging on and beginning to slow down a bit and you weren't moving as well as you had been earlier on and, and you were looking like you were really struggling and then I think Mark maybe maybe just got beyond that low point that he'd had a little bit earlier on and and he and Nick had, had sort of forged ahead a little bit and then eventually you kind of you, well, you, you stopped and you sat down and then you lay down and I thought, oh, I thought, oh, he's not, he's not looking too good. And my orders from Nick had been to make sure Bob ate something or was offered something to eat and drink every half an hour. And I was really conscious of that and every half an hour or so or 40 minutes I'd been asking asking you you know Bob do you want something to eat do you want something to eat do you want something to drink and you were drinking well but you weren't eating anything and, and you'd ask for like a, a gel one of these sports gels or a packet of crisps and you'd have a few hula hoops and that's all you'd had and I was thinking well you know he knows what he's doing he's you know he's a maybe this is all part of his plan but I was also thinking, well, what am I carrying this big bag of, like, proper food for? You know, he, sh he should be eating it. And then I thought, when you sat down, I started feeling really bad. That, oh, God, you know, I should have, I should have been more insistent that, that he ate something. Bob was clearly struggling. And lovely Matt was doing his best to get food and drink into him. But for a while, he just wasn't having it just stopped, lay down, and looked like a broken man. 
there was still time in the bank, but it was by this point just starting to slowly ebb away. So anyway, you, 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 you were lying down at this point. It was really quiet. You weren't saying anything. I wasn't saying anything to you. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel it was appropriate to start doing all this. Come on, Bob, you know, you can do it. It was just a really quiet moment. I'm not sure if I can actually remember this happening or I can just remember people's anecdotes about this happening now. But with hindsight, it was definitely my Dom Irvin moment of truth. You will face in the Bob Graham round a moment of truth at least once. And that moment of truth will hit you where you have to make the decision whether you're going to finish or whether you're going to quit. Just don't give up on your stubborn. You just need to get out of your doldrums in your brain and start thinking what, what could make me right again. And I was only dragged through it just by the soft, soothing Guna tones of my support runner, Matt Robinson. I knew you needed something to eat, and I think you probably knew you needed something to eat. And it was really clear that there was some major psychological battles going on in your head, and I suspect you were really close to maybe packing it in at that point because you didn't look your best. But anyway, in the bottom of this bag, we found like the ropiest sandwich you have, you have ever imagined. It was just awful. It had been sweating in the bottom of this bag all day in the heat and it was just, I can't even remember what was in it. We broke it into quarters and you managed to get a quarter of this sandwich down here with a bit of water. And I can see you now, you look, you look like you were sort of chewing on concrete. It was, it was like the hardest thing you've ever had to eat in your whole life. But you managed to get it down you, and then maybe a little bit more. And you just kind of sat there for a bit. And then you sort of just shrugged your shoulders, took a deep breath, stood up turned round and, and carried on up the mountain and just kept on going and confidence seemed to, to build slowly and then we you know we caught sight of Nick and Mark again and that was good and you just cracked on and, and that moment I don't think it was about the sandwich it was really about your your mental strength. How am I going to finish? How, what do I need to do to be able to finish? And that's a different mindset than am I or am I not going to? That sandwich, I think cheese and peanut butter, was the hardest thing I've ever eaten, but it was like a miracle cure. I was revived. I could walk again. I could even run again. And the cover shot for our whole podcast series is taken shortly after this as I'm trotting along like a little lamb, happy as Larry, on the way to Steeple, having survived Red Pike. Mark and I were gently trotting on towards Steeple. We turned around to see Bob jogging pretty happily and pretty well, about to join us. And even though there was still a good chunk to do at that point, I just felt that Mark was strong and had been strong all day and was going to keep on being strong and that Bob had had his moment and touch wood had come through it 
Nick was really good at sort of calming me down. And actually, by the time we got up Red Pike and, and up to Steeple, I suddenly felt good again. And it was then a lovely bounce along Steeple and Pillar, big drop and big pull up to Kirk Fell. I remember we took that other line up uh, Kirk Fell, which is brilliant, and I loved it. I think it was only with hindsight that we realised how much peril we were in on the perfectly formed Kirk Fell. Kirk Fell is bonkers. Yeah. It's so pretty and perfect, isn't it? It just looks like triangular, like a, like, you know, if you were going to draw a fell, you just draw that kind of, like, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's an A, capital A. So it turns out leg four is pretty lovely if that's your first leg of the day. Less so if you've just done the previous three, or in the case of our lovely European brethren, Tano and Gabor, you've just supported on leg three. So those two did leg three and then were loving it so much, decided to carry on and also do leg four with us. So they did U Barrow, Red Pike, Steeple, Pillar, and they decided quite understandably that they would just miss out Kirk Fell and Great Gable and I think skirt back round the base of those two and see us all back at Honister at the end of leg four. We did Kirk Fell, after which is then another big descent to the foot of Great Gable. And actually, by the time we reached that point, we were then getting very low on water. It was pretty warm and the contenders were in need. And who should appear but lovely Tano and Gabor, who on their journey around the side of Kirk Fell had found a super cool, super clear, icy mountain stream had sated their thirsts and filled up all of their water-carrying vessels and so kindly waited for us at the foot of Great Gable with gallons of this magical water. Out of nowhere, Gabor and Tano arrived. Literally, we're in the middle of nowhere with these flasks filled with water that they'd found in in a stream i i, don't, I, I hadn't even realized that they were they were there but anyway you know these two beautiful men arrived with the with this water and i think that was really important because i think we were running running a bit low on water at that point and it was really hot really hot day and i was i was thirsty and i you know i hadn't been running anywhere near as much as as much as you and mark i do think that had they not been there, that very steep pull up Gable on a warm afternoon would have been significantly tougher and significantly slower. And I know that it made a huge difference to Mark and Bob that those two came back and the sight of them both as we trotted down Kirkfell to see them there waiting unexpectedly with cool water was a lovely one. And even for me as a supporter was a moment that I'll never forget and I'm sure that for Bob and Mark is definitely a moment they will never forget. Magical. I think when they arrived and that kind of reunion with those two, it was, it was brilliant and I think it really lifted everyone and I could see that it lifted you and Mark. By this point, Clearly delighted and refreshed 
by Tano and Gabor returning with cold mountain water. I would have drunk anything, to be honest, at that point. I was gagging for a drink. It was just one foot in front of the other. My overall mantra of gratitude, adventure, friendship had been replaced by a much more prosaic one of just keep going. I think as we sort of started to come up to Great Game, like, I, it was almost starting to feel sad that I could I could see that we were going to do it and I could see it was coming to an end and I, I really almost started to almost mourn the whole thing at that stage you know I love Great Gable was really hard but I just really enjoyed getting up there I remember people trying to be encouraging Mark was one of them I'm sure Beanie was as well by saying once you've done Gable yeah that's it you've broken the back of it and the climb up Gable we got a good route I seem to remember up Red Gully which no one had found before and soon enough we were on the top and then you're picking your way down yet another descent but then the journey back to Honister just seemed long and everyone was saying oh it's all downhill from here oh we, you've got this now don't worry but it's still oh come on then where is Honister oh it was a really nice run into Honister which I, I kind of didn't imagine that was how I was going to feel that wasn't how I felt. The trot down to Honister was pretty lovely. Hmm, I think my lack of deep endurance was showing. I was fading, while others, Mark in particular, were still going strong. But I hung on, and eventually we dropped down from Grey Knots, and you can see the car park, and I remember supporter from the 2018 attempt, Chris Elland, who didn't run with us on this attempt because he was injured, but still came along for moral support, just laughing at me as I slumped into a deck chair in that car park outside the youth hostel in Honister Slate Mine, broken and gibbering about a milkshake, which was unobtainable as we were just too late for the youth hostel shop. So I contented myself with a bag of lukewarm blueberries, finally took some ibuprofen, and just before we set off up Dale Head, I put some batteries back into my audio recorder. Right. Well, actually, I think it makes a very little difference. It's nice to saucer of milkshake, by the way. Yeah. I think you'll be alright. So as you can tell, I'm pretty fucked by this point. In an archerone, you get way beyond that to get to the point where everything's breaking down and everything's been destroyed and then you start learning something else, something new about yourself. So you start learning about what your limits are, what you're capable of. Are you capable of overcoming what you thought were your limits? Uh, a lot of ultra runners call it the pain cave, they say they, and they say they love the pain cave, they love digging in the pain cave. feels like a very long 27 minutes uphill to the summit of peak number 40, Dale Head. And the other thing I used to do in bad moments was to imagine myself back in 
my office in London and a stressful job doing something, you know, having a really miserable time, thinking, you know, I could be there, but I'm actually here, I'm out here in the mountains breathing fresh air, I've got mist on my face and wind on my face and I'm with friends and, yeah, I've got... And, and, and focus on the number of mountains you've got behind you as well, because you might be thinking I'm about to die, but you know, maybe you've got 25, 30 mountains behind you. Yeah, that's an amazing achievement. Most people just do one mountain in a day and think they've done really well. So yeah, congratulate yourself on what you've done. But I pass a very happy two and a half of those minutes being interviewed by Michael Kennedy leg two specialist, making a welcome return to join me and his little brother Mark for leg five. Bob, uh, how are you feeling mate? I am beyond shattered, but uh, the thing I've just been saying for the last, well definitely since leg four, maybe since the middle of leg three was just, just keep going, there's no other alternative, just keep going, and, uh, and it's worked. Just going up these hills like this, where you, you, know, you can see the top, and then when you get there, it isn't the top. You've got to walk for another half a mile or something. It's like, oh god! But all I've been thinking is just keep going. And this is lovely, a nice grassy, gentle slope. And some of those rocky tops are just hideous. But uh, yeah. We just kept going. Yeah, because on the rocky bits, you're uh, you're sliding backwards as well, aren't you? You sort of you can't get purchased sometimes, and yeah. And there's some bits that were just scary and quite dangerous. Yeah, some of those scree shoots and rocky bits, especially as there's like four or five of us all going up the same bit, loosening rocks in each other's way and everything. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, here. Uh, did Taino knock a, a bloody great boulder down by... What, backs, obviously. <laughs> Did that happen on... Where was that? That was in the Lord's Rake bit between Scarfell Pike and Scarfell, which was awful. Uh, but, yeah, there were people below us earlier, but thankfully it, it stopped before... Well, it stopped while we could still see it. There was no one there, so it was all right, but... It was massive, it really hurt someone. We eventually reach the top of Dale Head at 8.36 p.m. This is the cairn of the Mary. That was a nice, beautiful cairn, isn't it? That was a never-ending problem. And the rest of it, it was just it was just a lovely thing, lovely thing to do, leg five together as a as a group. How you feeling, Bob? Do you want any? I've taken some, I think it's taken the edge off. Ah. How are you doing, are you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, whatever pace you settle into, you've just got to keep going, haven't you? Yeah. actually with the mental uh, you know, I, had to, I just had to stop at those points and I think it was just food you know, just didn't have enough energy so. yeah. 
to get up a, a few hills, but I wasn't, I didn't want to stop, I didn't want to give up, I haven't really thought that at any point, uh, and I've just tried to keep positive and grateful and smile a lot. Clean t-shirt works wonders. It's your shorts I'm a bit worried about, you do look like you've just... Yeah, I think that was... Um, or maybe you have, eh? Uh, it was quite a, a deep chat we've been having, actually. Were well, your balls great... deep? Yeah. I think it was uh, gel at one point. <laughs> Spunked all over my shoulders. We reached the top of Hindscarth, the penultimate peak, number 41, at two minutes to oh, nine at night. Mark, right, where are you going? Is that the way? To the next one. Yeah, yeah, all right. that's what I want to do, yeah. Oh, I remember there was an no, I just was surprised that we were going back the same way we'd come. Uh, right, yeah. I didn't well, we're um, well into Lake Five, and unless something horrific goes wrong, they're going to make it. They've been an hour, an hour fifteen up um, through throughout almost really. Um, so well, certainly from well into leg two, and they've just kept that gap. So um, had a good long break at Honister, left about I think five past eight, and uh, pretty much walking it uh, leg five because uh, they're obviously knackered and. Uh, sort of uh, can't really quite run but they're taking painkillers and once we get off Robinson and drop down towards the road they should uh, probably start running there I would have thought be able to taste that pint in the fell pack not that we'll be able to get in because it's heaving the, what do they call it the round I mean that'd be nice having a pint in there but we'll probably end up wandering around Keswick not been able to get in there, not been able to get in the way in right. Uh, weather spins it is. This is peak 42, Robinson. And then we descend to the road. My first experience of the bog way was doing leg five when I first met you. Yeah. A few years ago and you organised a nice tea and flapjack stop. That's right, that's right. We won't be doing that today, Bob. No. But yeah, it's gone all right there. Done amazing. Keep going. And leg five was just a really lovely experience to be able to be stood on the summit of Robinson at about half past nine on a Saturday night with the sun going down, looking down to Buttermere and across much of what Bob and Mark had done during the course of the day was really magical and it felt a real honour to be a part of it. The final peak, Robinson, at 9.22pm or 21.22 if you're in the military. Uh, well, we've done 42 peaks in 24 hours. Should we get home? Yeah, let's not get lost. Uh, No, me neither. We don't do it. We just set our pace and we've stuck with it. And then... oh. 
A photo of the hug we have after that clatter of dropped poles and Mark's breathy invite on the top of Robinson, the 42nd peak that we'd run over in 24 hours with the Lake District and a sunset behind us is my screensaver here at work where I now am making this podcast tired and emotional as I was then what a day and I'm so grateful that Beanie or Mike took that picture and that I was recording and making this podcast so that we have an audio and a visual reminder of a great adventure with friends gratitude adventure friendship come on boys downhill all the way now Emily how are you doing I'm so fucking relieved oh god it's just incredible so proud of them kiss kiss lips emoji face with hearts for eyes emoji Keep it in your pants, Emily. And to then make the the lovely, gentle, or in Mark's case, not so gentle, trot back into Keswick altogether. You only get to do it once. And in a way, it felt quite sad for it to be coming to an end. Really, it was. Um, was lovely and it was funny i suppose at the end i felt almost like i did at the beginning it was just i knew we were gonna do it i just sort of felt like everybody knew what they were doing we we were fit enough the weather obviously was massively pleasant uh, and and we were lucky with that because you know we just didn't have any um, visibility problems um or you know i don't remember ever putting a jacket on or gloves or anything it was it was just so easy for me personally you know that last sort of section where you run in well, run back into to Keswick along well, along the road aren't you and um, we were kind of all packed together running as a pack really close by each other head torch on uh, sort of bit of banter spirits were picking up and you know that knowledge that yeah we're gonna do it as you're coming in that fantastic feeling as you you're running into Keswick towards the moot hall doing a high five with some local Cumbrian bloke who nearly takes your hand off and they're all pissed and clapping you or you think they are they're just pissed and you're clapping yourselves you're clapping your mates Watching you two run up to Moot Hall and, and touch the door the way you did, uh, you know, with all sort of people in the bars looking out, and there was a big group of Irish lads who came out one of the bars and said, well, What's going on? And I was sort of telling them that what, you know, about what you'd done, and uh, they were amazed. It was great. Come on. Yes! I did it. 
amazing day in the fells so grateful for everybody who helped uh, us do it so grateful to all the sort of family and and for their patience and, and letting us do it just a perfect perfect day and i'm just grateful uh, grateful i got to do it loved it i tell you what you're looking better now than you did <laughs> 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 yeah that was and you get to the moot hall and then that first pint that is Really nice, Pine Wayne Wright, something like that, something golden. And uh, yeah, what a feeling! What a feeling! I will never have that myself, obviously. I will always be support, but uh, nevertheless, it's a fantastic feeling to be part of that. If uh, if your runners have come in within the 24 hours, I think they've gone and done it. We're thinking same. What a time. Amazing. So proud. We did it. I think the final Bob Graham sound is a massive sigh of relief. Phew. 23 hours and 4 minutes. We are in the Bob Graham Club. Membership numbers 2310, Mark and 2,325, me. Not sure why we're not consecutive, but there you go. We weren't inside 11pm though. Last orders at the round, so we had to go to a different pub down the road. But I wasn't there for long anyway. So, Bob was bought a pint of Cronenberg, had a quarter of it turned into Casper the Ghost and we decided it best to go back to the B&B. Team leader, Mark, is on his way to Keswick's nightclub, Chasers, as we speak. Excellent effort, Mark. Hope Casper recovers soon. Kiss kiss. Sensible course of action from Bob. I suspect Chasers aren't ready for that haircut and tights combo. I am so happy for them both. I know it's essentially all a bit silly, but what they've done today is properly amazing work. They are both lovely men and I love them a lot. I finished my pint of Strongbow and am probably drunk. Oh Nick, you've proper set me off now. What happened next? Well, the following day a gentle walk and a good meal. The following week a tattoo of 2304 on my leg. The following day after that some piss taking about my tattoo also being the 23rd of April which is Giles' wife's birthday. And then after a few more weeks, running. For fun. Not training. My current running manifesto is no races, no ultras, just stuff you organise yourself with nice people, off-road only, adventurous, including nighttime runs, in nice places.
In practical terms, that means on a Saturday morning, while my daughter Hattie is in a swimming lesson, I do a 40 minutes muddy dash by the harbour. I'm going out for a debut head torch trot along the South Downs with a mate this coming Friday. And summer 2020, the BGR boys are going to Scotland. The biggest change, which I didn't expect, is just how um, sort of how much I love and how how proud I am of our group and what what we've achieved and and how we've done it. Just a perfect day. Drink sangria in the park. By which I don't mean getting people around the Bob Graham, which I don't think is a small achievement, but actually it isn't isn't really what I think is really been a great thing for me. It's it's really just spending time together and building friendships with a group of people who you know many of whom you know five years ago i just didn't know at all being a part of that was the best thing i've ever been involved in from a from a running point of view and i've been really inspired by by you guys I was involved in, in one way or another in six people getting round over the two summers, in, including my own attempt. And what I really like is, is how completely unique everyone's Bob Graham experience is. It's almost as as unique as, as they are as individuals, both kind of how they trained for it, what their experience was on the day and what it meant for them. My favourite days have all been the training days the days where you're with your friends all day, start to finish, talk to everyone, finish in a pub in Keswick with a vegan pie and a pint, and then do it all again the following day. A real take-home message for me is that you know a significant number of people are going to be able to to train to be able to physically get themselves around the BGR course. But one bit that I think is difficult, if impossible, to train for, is just being able to uh, switch your mindset to be so focused that despite sort of the pain and unpleasantness you might experience throughout the first half of the day, that you don't keep looking ahead to all the obstacles ahead and you just you just keep plugging away and thinking about each, uh, each rise and fall of the fells as they come. You're going to read just what you saw. Is it? <clears throat> I don't think this is on. It's not connected. You're going to read just wait for the green light. Uh, what my PA would normally sort this sort of thing out. Lorna! Lorna, you should have... This is a... You haven't charged this. Fuck it. Come on, Jesse. Just go out for a walk. So we sat in bed and we've put down our books on how to cope with death 
and midlife crisis <laughs> in order to have a chat about the Bob Graham round. Um, uh, you don't know, but you did feature very briefly in episode one of the podcast um, when I was testing my microphones and asked you about or told you a boring fact about Butzer Hill and you went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Um, uh, so I th- felt like... Uh, I've waffled on for um, about 13 episodes on and on about the Bob Graham round and occasionally I've referenced the burden it placed on family life or um, how grateful I am for the support that you offered during it. Um, I mean, I think probably my 18 months or so building up to a Bob Graham attempt went largely unnoticed in the family. Uh, but uh, I just thought you might want to reflect on how uh, how it impacted at home. Yeah, no, I, I didn't notice at all when I was hacksawing through the children's bike lock because he'd gone away with the bike lock key to some training weekend um, in the slightest. Um, no, uh, it um, was a pleasure to enable you to attempt the Bob Graham and um, to be honest, it's quite nice when you get away for the weekend sometimes. So sort of, you don't start trying to finish off the job I'm halfway through doing and uh, I get to hang out with the kids and uh, and just sort of, you know. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a sacrifice. No, there's some truth to that. I know, I, I know that, that, yeah, I think all parents would um, identify with that. Sometimes it's easier when one person's away. But... Um, uh, the weekends away weren't weren't a major part of the impact. I don't think. I think I, I felt like I impacted consistently at a lower level <laughs> of being a pain in the ass, morose. Yeah. Due to your yes, I was. Um, well, firstly, we had another woman in our life, which was Helen Hall, and her, <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hall's voice would be permeating through the house. And uh, you would be doing your strange twists and turns and uh, <laughs> leaving hair grease imprints onto the onto the patio doors <laughs> as you did your funny straightening exercises in a yeah. attempt to rebalance, rebalance whatever was causing the problem in the first place. Um, and uh, yes, there was many a, many a day when you were hobbling out of bed and couldn't get on the stairs properly because the kiddies and... Uh, it was, uh, yes, you're a bit like Eeyore, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> living with Eeyore, and but I could, I could generally see how much it meant to you. Yeah, I guess I was trying to, I was trying to solve the problem, which I would have been trying to solve anyway, I guess, without the Bob Graham. But I might not have um, had the pressure that I felt to get fit quickly. No, uh, and so that was a constant. Um, grumble from me that you had to deal with I think of me being thinking I was going to get a bit fitter and then not getting fit enough quickly and uh going out for a run and then coming back around eight minutes later having not be able to get further than three lampposts down the road yeah I was like oh no my heart would sink when I could see you coming back through the door thinking oh still not still not fixed still not running yeah um and I and I (laughs) I mean now I look back like now i'm uh i'm not under any pressure to train for anything and i run once a week and i really enjoy it and um so i think 
You're not, you're not hovering around the kitchen itching to find out when it's okay to drop the bombshell that you just need to pop out for a, a four-hour training session. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and you've got the hindsight now that it's, it's finished, it's all over and what have you. Uh, so, uh, and I'm making a podcast about it and uh, so sort of reflecting on it is a bit different now it's all happened but um so let's just talk about the weekend itself just your observations of that so I went off to try and do it how are you feeling then once I'd you'd put up with months and months of me um uh getting fit and feeling like I was just about there and then I go off to actually make the attempt leaving you with a web address to follow the tracker yeah uh how was it from your end well you kept on telling me that it didn't really matter if you didn't complete it, which I knew was complete bollocks, and that it really mattered if you completed it and you really wanted to do it within the 24 hours. Um, and I think I was possibly more nervous than you were. Um, and it wasn't helped by the fact that I was sort of in WhatsApp contact with uh, Emily. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, um, Mark's was, Yeah, Mark's wife. wife yeah. So I got to know her briefly that evening and it didn't help that your tracker didn't work for the first 23 minutes and so that feeling that I've had so many times standing on sort of spectating for races and thinking oh Bob should be through by now Bob should be through by now and you have to stop the great race because of like the cramps or the Achilles I thought you haven't even started I was absolutely shitting myself after all those years that you didn't maybe just sort of started walking or running and got the cramps, even though you had your sachets of vinegar and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> restaurants and Ikea and other embarrassing things like that. Um, and uh, and Emily was doing a really lovely job of just going, I'm sure it's just lagging, it'll be fine, as Mark was merrily running up the first peak and you were just hovering around in Keswick, whatever it was. Yeah. And, then you, and as soon as you got going, it was like, oh, thank goodness for that. I mean, I, I stayed up until you did it um, with uh, a company of my friend Maeve and we drank an awful lot of wine and just kept track of your tracker. It was very exciting and Credence stayed up as well and noticed that as the evening went on and me and Maeve got a little bit more drunk, we were swearing a little bit more. But um, yeah, it was exciting to be part of it from a distance. And I rang up. I wish I, I wish I'd had my recorder switched on. I didn't sort of think about it once I'd finished. I'd kind of it was beyond remembering to do these things. But I wish I'd recorded my end of the conversation with you. But I did phone you from the square outside the pub. I went into the pub, and I think I, I had a couple of mouthfuls of beer. And I don't know if I had the hiccups when I rang you or not. But I ended up getting the hiccups and having to bail out of the pub after about half a pint. But um, <laughs> I rang you and blubbed. Yeah down the phone at you uh but yeah i felt very emotional to have done it and i think the emotion was obviously i was just tired and you know a bit uh sappy at that point but also i think i was genuinely very grateful for all the support that i knew you'd put in and putting up with me really so yeah it was uh it's an amazing achievement and i was enormously proud of you and also really wanted it to have the happy ending not just in sort of completing an arbitrary if not very difficult challenge um but in terms of what it meant for 
the, your psychology and around fitness and sort of going forward for, for like the next few years in terms of being able to sort of be free to run. So it sort of, I think it had more, it was more was hanging on it than just the the Bob Graham itself. Um, and I think then there's obviously the, well, the bromances that went alongside <laughs> it, <laughs> which is the other. Um, been a absolute, it's a pleasure to sort of nose in in some of the, the, the Bob Graham round WhatsApp group chats and uh, yeah, yeah um, funnyisms. You have observed that there's a Bob Graham WhatsApp laugh. Yes, there is a Bob Graham WhatsApp laugh. As I'm scrolling through my phone and chuckle to myself, oh, yeah. is that a Bob Graham laugh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're also in folklore, particularly with Beanie, for um, putting on the Google, our family Google calendar one or two years ago when it was time for our Bob Graham recce weekend. Bob's long Bob Graham weekend. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was rather cheeky to classify as a weekend, bearing in mind I think it started on a Thursday and finished on a Tuesday. <laughs> I think that was probably stretching the uh, description somewhat from your end. So it's just, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, on behalf of uh, me, obviously, personally, but also... Uh, the rest of our team and and also all uh, Bob Graham attempters, I should say thank you to you as a representative spouse supporting me and um, uh, because without that support it would not have been possible. So thank you. It's my pleasure. So that's it. Thank you for listening to our Bob Graham sounds. Thank you to Mark, Beanie, Mike, Tim, Tano, Gabor, Patrick... Giles and my sandwich saviour Matt for being the best team any BGR contender could ever hope for. Thank you to the guests Ricky Gates, Ricky Lightfoot, Nicky Spinks, Dominic Irvin, Duncan Craig, Vassos Alexander, Adaranand Finn, and Richard Asquith. Your experience, your passion, and your wise words were invaluable in getting both me and Mark through those dark spots. And Helen Hall, repairer of broken bodies, running coach and wrangler of my emotions and my mental frailty, I would not have got round without you. I'd like to dedicate this podcast to the memory of someone called Phoebe, who I miss very much. Thank you for listening. We may be back. <laughs>